I play guitar in a band. We're called Burning Years, and we're pretty darn good. That's not just me saying that. We've got a lot of passionate fans, and people have said some very nice things about us. Alternative Press named us a band you need to hear. Audio Inc. said we've been making waves in the scene. Influence Watch described us as an all-male music group. Accurate. Spotify even added us to an editorial playlist called Rock Frequency. We eventually fell out of the playlist because they rotate it more often than I rotate my tires. But the promotion added tens of thousands of streams to our Spotify accounts in a short bit of time. Yet thanks to the way that streaming works, we're not making much money from those plays. No, no, you can support us or your favorite band, if for some reason it's not Burning Ears, much more sturdily by buying their merch or hitting up one of their shows. Yes, I'll drop a merch link in the show notes. And if you're in Austin, we're playing on August 26th at Come and Take It Live. It's a terrific venue. You'll love it. While merch and tours can help musicians make more money, they're not the only ways to do it. My guest today helps artists think more like artistpreneurs. He wants them to approach their music like a business because that's what it is. Evan Price founded his first company when he was just 14 years old. Now he's the head of Artist Collective, helping musicians monetize their creative skills and giving them the foundation and framework to keep the good times rolling throughout their entire careers. We're talking all about the artistpreneur mindset, how to grow your tribe of creatives, and some of the top vacation destinations. Evan also has a very helpful free training using tips from artists who have made a ton of money through his program, so be sure to check the show notes for that. I'm Joey Held, this is Good People, Cool Things, and here's my conversation with Evan Price. To kick things off, can you give us your name? And your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on. So my name is Evan Price, and I run a company called Artist Collective, and we work with an archetype we call artistpreneurs, which are creative entrepreneurs who are trying to build a business around stuff they just like to do. Um, and the type of elevator we're on is, I guess, that creative <laughs> entrepreneurship. If you have a creative bone in your body and you've ever thought, hey, maybe I could do something with that. Um, you're in the right spot. This is the elevator for you. Fantastic, fantastic. And you started your first company back at age 14. I was trying to think what I was doing at 14. I think it was just trying to not have my voice crack every time I spoke because um, that, that was a rough year, as I recall. But what drew you to that that world of, of promotion and, and helping others? Honestly, out of necessity. So when I was 14, my band wanted to play shows and nobody would book us. So we're like, screw you guys, we're going to book our own shows. And it just kind of built into something and we decided to make it a business. I had to have like my mom sign off on some contracts because I was <laughs> obviously 14 years old. Um, but yeah, it was a cool experience for sure. I think it was just the answer to the question again, like, out of pure necessity. It was like, this is what's needed. Nobody else is around me doing it. So I have to rise to the occasion. And that's what I feel like is a a determining quality in an entrepreneur or an artistpreneur. Oh, nobody else is doing this. I better do it. Otherwise it's not going to get done. So yeah, that's kind of cool. Do you have a, a moment like where you had to camp outside like a a booking agent's house or anything, anything wild like that? <laughs> um, no, I mean, we, so I booked at an all ages, um, like straight edge. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, so it was all ages. There was, there was they just served soda and, and water there. 
Um, but it was like a hardcore place. So there was, it's like never any alcohol, but a lot of shenanigans would happen <laughs> just with like weirdos in the band or strangers just kind of floating in there. So a lot of weird situations, but nothing like camping out of a booking agent's house now, nice. not per se. Nice, nice. A lot of Shirley Temples in the crowd, maybe. That was always my oh, go-to yeah. drink before I could I could actually drink it. A lot of monster energy drink. Oh, yeah, before yeah. they had all the flavors, just the pure <laughs> green poison. <laughs> I think that was the name of it, too, is Green Poison Monster. Right? Yep, I think so. I think so. <laughs> So you're based in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, so I always love going back. I always love saying, do you have, this is more just out of curiosity, do you have a favorite venue in the city? Favorite venue? Um, yes, I do. Lincoln Hall is one of my favorite venues nice. here. Um, it's intimate. It's got some history. It's it's old, but it's not fully falling apart yet. It's great. Um, but there's so many, for sure. What's yours? My... So I, I regretfully have not been to as many shows as I probably should have been in Chicago. I, I, I would say my peak concert days were shortly before I moved out of the city. So this might be the cop-out answer, but I've always enjoyed the Metro. Um, I just think that's a, I mean, I've seen a lot of great shows there. I feel like you also just get, I, I, I like run into the artists a lot there. Uh-huh. Weirdly, like they'll, ju- they'll just kind of be like floating in the crowd and I'm like, oh, hey. I'm going to watch you in an hour, and I think that's always cool. Yeah, yeah, I live, like, around the corner from the Metro. It's a nice. good one. Nice. So, you, yeah, you've got the easiest, easiest one <laughs> down the street. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, going back to this artistpreneur sort of uh, mindset, have do you find that a lot of the, the folks you work with are just kind of on the artist side and, and don't really know where to begin with the preneur side? <laughs> I, I couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it absolutely it's since I kind of decided to to work with this specific archetype it's always been that struggle is the creatives just want to be creative but you find we you find in this like bucket in this niche where they are slowly realizing nobody else is going to step up and do that and they slowly start to evolve into the entrepreneur and part of being an entrepreneur is not knowing everything so you hire coaches you work with people you learn new skills and you stack that and use it against your other skills to make money so yes it's absolutely a struggle Um, but that's kind of why I stepped away from the music industry, like working with recording artists and things like that, because they were very like, no, I just want to hire somebody to do this other, the preneur side of things. I just want to like make music and do that. And that's great. But the opportunities on that side that I'm seeing at least are not gone, but they're slowly diminishing and you have to get creative to make money because it's not going to be streams on Spotify. It's got to be something else. So thinking outside the boxes, it's just needed. So I think, I think, I think those artists are starting to get smart and be like, okay, I have to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but it takes some time. Yeah. I feel like I should know the, whatever the total amount is, but I, I, cause I referenced this enough, but when Aloe Black had the man, it's like the number one hit back in, what was that? 20, 2016? Some of that song came out? Something something like that. Within the past 10 years, some, something yeah. like that. And he he made, you know, it was the most streamed song of the year. And he was like, I made, it was something less than like $100,000 from Spotify. And he was like, I brought in so much revenue for Spotify and they're paying pennies. And I think that's a, just a, a and that was years ago. And it's, it's not mm-hmm. 
much better today. So what are some of these other ways that you work with artists and be like, hey, that's not the way to do it. That maybe was never the way to make solid amounts of money. So what are some of the other ways that that artists can can get get a little uh, get a little paycheck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, performing live is never really, uh, of course, around that time where we couldn't go anywhere. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> performing live wasn't the best alternative for this, but live merch sales selling to direct selling directly to fans has always been pretty much on the table and how even the big Beyonce's and Drake's are making most of their money is over there on touring, making millions of dollars like per show. It's crazy. Um, but outside of that is I like to, sh- I, I like to talk to creatives and artists about like using their other skills outside of just the direct, like music ways that we were just talking about, but like, how can you, you know, record a um, custom song for somebody's wedding or a special occasion? How can you, you maybe you're a, a singer slash guitarist, but you're also really proficient in production or just vocal mixing specifically. You could build services around that, sell them online, run a couple ads, do a couple organic things and make a better paycheck doing that than just waiting for Spotify streams to come. Not saying abandon that, but expand your horizons and use your your other skills to make money, um, specifically in the, you know, the done-for-you services like production and stuff like that, or coaching other people to do it. Um, we work with a lot of vocal coaches, music teachers, um, creative coaches, just people who are showing others a process that they've been able to master in any, you know, medium, if you will. And it's going really well because people like to be shown stuff instead of just being saying, go go to YouTube and just Google it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people want to be shown a framework. So I think that's why coaching is a really cool space for that. And more creatives and musicians are jumping on it. I feel like you also usually don't get the preamble with coaching that you'll you'll often find on a YouTube video where it's like four minutes of you know like yeah. and subscribe and then and then <laughs> into sure. the content that you might not know is is even good or not. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a uh, you know I've heard people say before that they just get I'm using this term literally that they say they get lost in a sea of information. And in a, in a world where the internet is great and all the answers are there, it's also a double-sided coin because the answers are all there. <laughs> Which one's right? Which one do I, do I do? How do I actually get it done? So that's why people want it handed to them. Here's the, here's the step-by-step process to learn how to mix a song, to sing better, to learn guitar. Um, so I think people just want to be handheld. It's the gym membership versus the personal trainer, right? Who's going to lose the weight faster? I think we know. Yes. In my case, uh, <laughs> definite, definitely not the gym membership. <laughs> yeah. So we, we talked a little bit when you were a 14 year old, some of the creative ways that you would get your band booked. So we we chatted through maybe some of the more common ways, but what's something like, what's a real unusual source of income that one of your students has made that you've seen has worked? Had an old friend who used to sell beard oil. Ooh. <laughs> he just liked, he had a beard and he, he liked beard oil. And he was like, I'm just going to make my own. And he would sell that 
not really tied to music at all. Um, but yeah, I think it's nothing too unusual to be honest, man. You got me, you got me thinking there. Um, <laughs> yeah, typically coaching or, um, selling gear, flipping gear is also a, a really cool thing. Uh, you hear Gary V always talking about like, go to garage sales and sell, buy stuff and then sell it. Like musicians I meet are crazy about the guitar pedals, their music equipment. So buying that, flipping it, kind of making that a, a thing has been kind of cool and a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. that, yeah, I, I don't make it to enough garage sales, but every time I do, I'm just like, it's, it's just such an, an interesting look into whoever's hosting it's like life like how did you accumulate all of this stuff but also yeah you can find some real cool stuff in there <laughs> it's an interesting way to i'm gonna approach garage sales totally different i'm gonna be like all right what was your life like <laughs> so intrusive i love it <laughs> <laughs> well i was just thinking the last time i the last time i stayed at a hotel you know how you'll you'll just throw on a tv whatever tv show while you're working and it was storage wars that was like the marathon going on i the last time i was there and i was just i was kind of wondering like you know what's the backstory of all these people like where you know where all these items came from and then so i tried to look it up i was like do they ever go into it and i guess the creator he's like they're kind of depressing stories so we don't cover that on the show and i was like oh, i guess that makes sense it's probably a lot of people who died or you know had had some other like negative event in their life that they had to get rid of all these things but i think it's still interesting i'm like how did you yeah you know you ended up with this like you know random guitar from the 80s or like a an amp that was around for like two months and then realized it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never thought about that <laughs> one of the other things that i think is i i guess more common and and easier to do with the internet but still kind of tough to get into is for lack of a better word, like building your tribe and like finding maybe other people who can either support what you're doing or help spread the word or anything like that. I know personally for this podcast, cross promotion with other podcasts has been great. I think it's mm-hmm. sometimes it, it's easy to think like, oh, wait, that could be a potential competitor. And it's like, no, like we can all fit enough podcasts, enough songs, things like that in our day. So what have you found for building that tribe? growing both your brand, maybe someone else's while effectively working together. Yeah. Tribe is an absolute, the best way to describe that, I think. Um, But I think the first thing is figuring out what you want the tribe to be about. What is the common goal that you have? I think what a lot of specifically, specifically artists fail on is they make it about them. They think, oh, I just want a tribe that just loves my music and loves what I do. And that's just pretty egotistical. So you've got to make it about how, what is a common goal that we all have? What is a common mindset that we all share? What's the common core value amongst all of us? Um, because whether you believe it or not, you are a brand, you are a business. And this, big businesses think about this too. Apple, McDonald's. Microsoft, they're all figuring out what their core values are, and they, that's where they started. So figuring that out first, um, and then finding a way to bring that message out to attract them to you. Um, of course, it's going to be social media, things like that. So I think that's the biggest the biggest misstep, is kind of making it less about uh, a goal and more about the person that's in charge of it. 
I like the the call out of how even even big brands have to do this. And I think it's hard sometimes as an individual to think of yourself as a brand. I'm this is not I don't know why this jumped to mind, but the recent grimace trend of people drinking these grimace shakes from McDonald's and then like dying. I which I I kind of feel like McDonald's is McDonald's is sort of behind I I am glad that you have not heard of it because I I was introduced to it earlier this week and I was just like what what are people doing? But it's just these elaborate because it's Grimace's birthday, so they introduced a Grimace shake, and then there's these elaborate like TikToks and Instagram reels of people trying the shake and then becoming like possessed or just you know like exorcist style, like just that, like convulsing sounds, and everything. That sounds pretty grim. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I like it. I like it. It <laughs> sounds bad though. Yeah, I'm gonna stay away from those. <laughs> yeah, and I but I I kind of feel like McDonald's is maybe behind some of these videos as well, or like has certainly kind of like leaned into it a little bit, yeah. and I think that's that's like a good example. I mean, like Duolingo's another one of like the unhinged owl that's their mascot, who's like that's what people have rallied around is like how how insane this owl is, and I think that probably wasn't something they initially discovered, but it's like oh wait, this is something that is unifying all of the people that that use our product that follow us and i think that's like leaning into it without forcing it i think is, is a cool um a cool thing that can even be done on an individual level too yeah one that comes to mind too is a not as well-known brand uh it's called chill hop music uh i've been obsessed with lo-fi hip-hop instrumental hip-hop music for a minute just like you know beats to study to um but they have a little mascot it's like a little raccoon I forget what his name is. He does have a name, but he's just like really chill. And he's just like, always like walking around, like encompassing what, what they want you to feel while listening to this type of music. So it's just like, gives this, this vibe that is really hard to place in words. And that's building a tribe of people who want to also be chill. There's also the lo-fi girl who's just like chilling in her room, um, writing stuff and like building a website so it's just stuff like that. Like, how can you create a vibe through the brand? And what is the values you want everybody to share who also likes that? Um, and then start there instead of going straight to like, what am I going to sell first? Like, if you want to build a tribe, figure that out. Um, for us, it would be the common goal is you're a creative person who wants to make money from it and you don't want to work for other people. So it's like, you know, innovation, ambition, um, passion are some some core values that we want people who are involved in our brand to encompass as well, because that's what's important to them. And that's how we all connect with each other. So just finding that common ground is a good place to start. I like that. You talked too earlier about kind of a framework. Um, I think that was particularly around course creation of having uh, sort of a, a framework for presumably the people you're working with to who maybe don't know how to set up a course or anything like that. So what does that process look like for someone? Like, let's say I'm like, okay, I've got a course on, uh, we'll go back to guitar pedals on like seamlessly using guitar pedals, uh, which I am not qualified to teach. I feel like I'm pretty, I, I'm constantly tipping over when I'm trying to hit a certain pedal or things like that. But let's say I'm I'm a, I'm perfect at it and want to teach other people. What would that look like? Yeah, I think getting very clear on what transformation you are promising people 
and ensure that you have either done it yourself or you've helped others do it. I don't want to be that, you know, online guru that tells people, hey, you just you can make a course out of anything. You first need to make sure you can get results. Not everybody should be making a course. I'm here to tell you that right now. If you cannot get a transformation yourself or help others do that, maybe do that first <laughs> and then show others. <laughs> first you do and then you teach, you know. Um, so I think that's the first step. What is the transformation? Guitar pedals. Maybe you uh, want to create a course on how to find, flip, and make $10,000 selling guitar pedals. Cool. Do that first. Then have social proof, testimonials, a proven track record. Um, then after that, figure out what you know four to five steps you are ha having them do to get that result. Um, then it's just about traffic. Where are your potential clients, customers hanging out online? If you don't have any ad money, which that's okay, do it organically. Are they in groups? Are they on Reddit? Are they looking for YouTube videos? Are they on WhatsApp for some reason? <laughs> what, what, where are they at physically, online, whatever? And then get in front of them with content, with an offer, with a training, with value, and bring them, bring their eyes to your page so they can become a client. Pretty much a three-step process right there. Then once that starts to work, you you know pour gasoline on the small fire you built, aka ads. You create paid advertisement that will do that for you. That way you you know, you get it to a, a place where you're like, cool, I spend $1 on an ad, I get $5 back. Great. Let's, th let's throw $1,000 on that. So now it's like you can expect what you can get with ads. But first you need to do that first. So yeah, figure out what your transformation offer is. Figure out where, you're, where your audience is hanging out online. Um, and you know, bring it up with with some ads, with some paid ads. It, it, once it starts to work. Okay, I have to ask, and if the answer might just be no, um, but I'm sure you've seen all the discussion about Threads this week from the new the new anti Twitter from Meta, because mm -hmm. apparently we we just have to have the same people starting all this all the social networks. Have you gotten a chance to poke around on there at all? I have. What do you think? Uh, about its its capabilities for the types of folks that you're working with. Um, I mean, it's cool. It's nothing earth shattering, if I can be honest. I was never really like a Twitter guy. Um, I would use it as like just my journal. Like I have this stupid thought that I don't want to put anywhere. I'm just going to put it on Twitter. <laughs> Other people love it, so I'm not here to, to poop on Twitter. But it, I like the UI. I think the capabilities are cool. It's not destroyed with spam or ads or garbage yet. It's coming. It's not ruined by, you know, human interaction quite yet. Um, it's still pretty fresh. But I think in terms of the capabilities, still yet to be seen in terms of um, going back to like building a tribe. I think it's kind of exciting. This is where you can really build like a community around a common goal or mindset if you do it the right way but to me right now it's still in its i mean it's like three three days old <laughs> two two days old i think um but it, it it's definitely fun and exciting and i will say this to anybody out there like even if you're just like i don't want to try it go and go go sign up maybe that's you <laughs> go and sign up like try, try it out um 
I think it, it's it's exciting when new stuff drops because there it's not tainted yet, like I said. So you could be pushed into a crowd that you never would have been pushed into before. You could find new friends, new followers. Um, you could find new content that you like. I think it's exciting to kind of try things out, especially as an entrepreneur. Like, don't be the people that shake your fist at the sky and say, I don't want to try new things. Like, you will be... That's not how the world works anymore. <laughs> like you, you just be left <laughs> behind. Um, so yeah, try it out. Yeah, I think I think trying new things is good, and you might learn like, hey, it's not the platform for you. But I think the yeah, the old man shakes cloud at shakes cloud shakes hand at cloud. That's what it shakes <laughs> yeah. fist at cloud. I think that's the. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the Simpsons line, but if I work with brand, like I work in PR and marketing, so I work with brands a lot. And I think sometimes they get the sort of like paralysis of like, we have to be everywhere all at once. And it's like, no, you mm-hmm. don't. Like you can definitely dip your toe in everything, but like, you know, a, a real niche sort of like B2B company, probably I'd say threads, maybe not as valuable to them as like LinkedIn or something like that, where they've got a lot of people already consistently viewing their content and like maybe their audience isn't going to head over to threads but i think it's worth at least exploring it and because like you'll never know you might find that hey actually i am very good at this and and wouldn't you know it 90 percent of our audience is here like you wouldn't have maybe expected that but you never know unless you give it a shot yeah i think it's good for those that get overwhelmed with creating short form videos and like lip syncing to stuff and like saying here's the four tips to do this and that some people get overwhelmed (laughs) with that i think this is a cool new way it's not super new because twitter's always been there but twitter's been weird for a minute a way to to be able to create content without overthinking it like use it as a journal use it as a a comedic the my favorite twitter feed was like Wendy's when Wendy's hired like a comedian to run all their customer service stuff like that. I thought that was a brilliant way to use text and like create a buzz around something. So thinking outside the box with that, like how can I shine in this medium of just text and like simple photos, like not 15 second lip syncing, dancing videos, um, not long form video where I'm showing a tutorial, but just a simple text thought a quote. So I think it's cool for people like that, like writers who just want to write. Yeah. I know it, it kind of reminds me of, of early Twitter uh, as well, where it was like, like those, that early Wendy's days. One of my favorite Twitter accounts was, I think it was just called Hobo Tween. And it was like, the, the bio was like, I'm 12, but I'm a hard 12. And it was just like <laughs> the thoughts of like a, a, you know, a preteen, a tween, and as a hobo. I mean, the name the name kind of explains itself, but just like, you know, what what life is like as a, a 12-year-old hobo tween. And I just, it, it cracked me up. It was very creative. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know who that hobo tween was. I know. Now they're, now they're probably a, like a quarter-life crisis, not tween, hobo quarter-life crisis. I don't know. <laughs> We've been talking about the past with hobo tween, with Wendy's. All that good stuff. And a question I always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. So let's jump back 10 years ago, 2013. What's something that you would tell yourself now? Or what's something that now you would tell yourself back then? Yeah, 10 years ago, I would tell myself 10 years ago to do less better. And that's a motto that I have adopted and made a part of my being 
for the past couple years. And it's done me right. And I always like to think, what if I would have done this sooner? So I think a lot of us get in the habit of just like taking on a lot of different tasks, a lot of different projects, and especially creatives, you know, we're just like, we want to do this. And we do it for a little bit and that dopamine just starts to slide. And we're like, let's go do this other thing, that shiny object syndrome, whatever you want to call it. And then we never really found huge success anywhere because we always just gave a little bit of our energy to a lot of different things. So doing less better to me is just focusing on the one thing that lights you up the most and put all of your energy towards it and see what happens. Well, you would might take you 10 years. What took me 10 years might've taken me two with that if I did that in 2013. So yeah, do less things um, and do it with more conviction. It's like one of my favorite ones, Ron Swanson quotes is don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I should have said that. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> very wise, very wise. All right, Evan, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap <laughs> up with a top three. What are your top three vacation destinations? Starting with number one. You're not going to see this coming. It's Egypt. Ooh. Hear me out. Been to Egypt twice in the past couple of years. And it's incredible. Of course, saw the pyramids. Love that. Probably the oldest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's very affordable and really, really nice people. Really, really cool culture there. And there's a lot to do and a lot of countryside to see. Is it called countryside over there? I don't know. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of desert to see, but it's there. Um, three, I also really enjoyed South Africa. Um South Africa's wonderful. It's got one of the, it's one of the seven wonders is there. Table Mountain, which is really beautiful. Um, also cool culture that goes on there. Um, a lot of cool people. Number three? I only had two in the back of my mind. <laughs> Good old Cali. Uh, I love, love California. Uh, not necessarily LA, but like San Diego area. I think is really sunny and nice. Um, would say Chicago, but it's not a vacation. This is this is life for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anytime someone says they don't like Chicago, I'm like, when did you visit? And they're like, January. <laughs> I'm like that's why. <laughs> Never do that again. Yes. Like, come on. <laughs> that's your own fault. <laughs> Have any, has anybody ever asked yours? Uh no. That's a good question. Okay, I'm, this is this is subject to change within the next week because um, I feel like I it does change a lot. Uh, number one, I was just there earlier this year, Prague, uh, in Czechia. It was it's so gorgeous. It's like not as destroyed in the wars as a lot of the other European countries were. So there's just like all yeah. these gorgeous old buildings, the architecture of it, a lot of uh, like they have a big castle with like all this these great vantage points there's like multiple bridges across a river so you just get like everywhere you turn you're just like wow this is very nice this is very nice uh and a lot of cool day trips cool. you can take from around there too uh number two i'm gonna go with chile which i think is like mm -hmm. an underrated uh south american country i feel mm -hmm. like brazil argentina maybe like peru with the uh the inca trail which is also a lot of fun if you ever go to peru 
I'd say, well, a lot of fun, a lot of great views. It's kind of a pain in the ass while you're doing it because it's a lot. Is that Machu Picchu? Machu Picchu's there? Yes, yeah, Machu Picchu's at the top, and you can either hike the Inca Trail, which is like a multi-day, you know, backpacking type of thing, or you can just take a tram up to Machu Picchu. And I would, uh, if you're able to do some some hiking, that's a little a little difficult. It's a little like up and down stuff. Um, I would definitely recommend the Inca Trail because. The views are just way better, and it's like significantly less crowded than mm-hmm. Machu Picchu is. So, uh, I know I said Chile, and then I ended up talking about the Inca Trail. So we'll just group those together as one. But Chile also just South like, America, gorgeously beautiful. Yeah, like the the bluest water I've like ever seen anywhere. There were some icebergs when I was visiting, even though it was I think it was like early November when I was there. So just a lot of. Huh? A lot of, oh, it's just gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous water uh, areas there. And then number three, I'll just, I'm torn too. I wonder if I should do also one in America, but I'm not. I'm going to say New Zealand and Australia. Uh... Which I've only been to as like a teenager, uh, but I had so much fun and I'd love to go back. I just have to prep for the 20 hour flight <laughs> out there, but just same, same type of thing as, as kind of how Egypt sounds. I think just like a lot of like, cool people out there just very friendly i mm-hmm. uh, fun like nature uh, and like just scenic areas all over the place like the great barrier reef is quickly evaporating which is real sad but i had a great time doing that and i also somehow did i think it was called scuba do it was like an underwater scuba uh thing which in retrospect was probably very dangerous for a 14 year old to be doing but it was a great time. It was like a little like underwater motorcycle type of thing. And they had a bubble so you could breathe. I, I still don't know how it worked. I just remember them telling us like, don't put your feet too far back or else you might lose your feet like in the motor. So I was like, great. Just what I want to hear before. Was it shaped like Scooby-Doo? No, I think it was just a, it was just like a, a big bubble type of thing with like oh. a little like motorbike in the middle of it. Uh, I don't even know if the company still exists, but I just remember the name being kind of funny. So Hopefully they're still out there. Hopefully they're still thriving and solving mysteries. <laughs> solving underwater <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Cool. Yeah, those all sound great. You sound like a, you sound like a traveler yourself. Uh, kind of bit the bug personally, like, or got bitten by the travel bug. Is what I was getting at. <laughs> like three or four years ago. So yeah, taking that's a, great. Taking a bite out of the travel bug's head. <laughs> awesome well evan this was this was fantastic if people want to learn more about you and what you're doing where can they find you yeah um instagram is the best place it's at ac underscore evan or you can check it out check us out at artistcollect.com fantastic well thank you again for taking the time to chat enjoy the uh, much cooler weather up there in chicago try i'll try appreciate you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and of course we have to end with a corny joke i feel like we've dropped several of these but it's a it's a mainstay of every episode uh my wife asked if i've seen the dog bowl i told her i didn't know he could oh <laughs> come on now <laughs> good people cool things is produced in austin texas if you were a fan of this episode go ahead and hit that follow button that helps more people hear the show you can send me a message joey at good people cool things Com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Ooh.